Hello and welcome to Hugh's Joy of Food, a bite-sized podcast celebrating all that's amazing about everything edible, from the simplest snack to the fanciest feast. I'm Hugh Smithson-Wright, and this week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I'm reviewing a magnifique French meal from Maison Patron, helping an impatient listener to beat the queues at No Reservations restaurants in Ask Hugel, and finding inspiration in the pages of two Syrian cookbooks raising money for good causes in Treat of the Week. Each week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I review a restaurant in one way, shape or form. It might be a restaurant that I've actually been to recently, a home delivery, whether that's a ready-to-eat takeaway or a make-at-home meal kit, or occasionally favourite places that have gone to the great restaurant graveyard in the sky. First, a disclaimer. My job as a restaurant PR and consultant means that I'm paid to promote the interests of the handful of restaurants I represent. If I feature a client on this podcast, I'll make that clear, like I do on my social media channels. In all cases, I'll make it clear if all or any part of a meal I review was complimentary. You can rest assured that everywhere I review, I recommend. This show is about the joy of food, so if you're looking for vicious eviscerations, this probably isn't the podcast for you. With that in mind, it's time for this week's review. Thumbing through Instagram one day last week, my eye was caught by a picture posted by my friend Pip of a gorgeous-looking steak tartare. I've mentioned before on Hugh's Joy of Food that steak tartare is one of my all-time favourite dishes, so a picture of one was always bound to grab my attention, but this one looked especially appetising. Knowing Pip to be a very talented cook, I assumed that he'd rustled it up himself. But on reading the caption, I was delighted, not to mention intrigued, to find that he'd in fact ordered it as part of a fabulous-sounding meal from Maison Patron. Maison Patron is a new delivery service from Patron, a Parisian-style cava manger, which roughly translates as a wine bar with food, which has two sites in Kilburn and Highbury in North London. Like many restaurants forced to close by coronavirus, Patron has reinvented itself, at least for now, to offer what looks to be pretty much its complete menu for home delivery. Initially only available to lucky locals, they now deliver all across London, so I decided to give them a whirl last weekend. The website is well designed, with great photography, clear descriptions of the dishes and a straightforward ordering process. Unlike a lot of delivery services which have emerged during lockdown, you can order a la carte rather than being tied to a set menu. As well as food, there's snacks, starters, main courses and desserts, there's a selection of ready-mixed cocktails and wines, making this a real one-stop shop. I mean it as a great compliment when I say that Maison Patron's menu couldn't be more French if you stuck a beret on it and called it Pierre. Frog's legs, duck confit and creme brulee are all present and correct. For starters, I of course choose the steak tartare, and my husband Dave has French onion soup. I can't resist adding some smoked duck breast from the snacks to share too. For our main courses, we go for lapin à la moutarde, rabbit in a mustard sauce, and anglais, which you might know better as hanger steak, with gratin dauphinoise and green beans. Then for dessert, Dave goes for creme brulee, and I choose chocolate mousse. The box that arrives on Friday afternoon, bang on schedule, looks too small to contain a three-course meal for two. But that turns out just to be testament to how efficiently packaged everything is, with most items vacuum-packed and the desserts in smart glass pots. The box also contains a sheet of incredibly easy-to-follow instructions. Everything is pretty much fully prepared, needing just a few minutes reheating, either in the oven or on the hob, or in the case of my steak tartare, simply combining a spicy dressing with the hand-chopped beef, before topping it with a quail's egg that comes carefully packed in hay. I'm glad I was tempted by the smoked duck breast, 
Vividly pinky meat with silky cured fat, gently smoked, makes for a delicious snack with our aperitifs. My steak tartare is just fabulous. It really is as good as any I've had in a restaurant, and it's such a treat to have it at home. I know I could try making it myself, but in the same way as my mum won't order in a restaurant something she could make at home, what we call the PAM principle, there are some things I want to keep as being a treat for when I'm eating out, and steak tartare is one of them. Dave's very impressed with his soup à l'oignon, served with a gruyère crouton. It's as rich and comforting as you could wish for on a cold February night. Main courses are terrific too. Dave's anglais, thinly cut and served with shallot butter, is a great piece of steak. Cooked for too long, anglais can turn to leather, but done rare as per the instructions, it's terrifically tender with a richly mineral flavour. My lapin à la moutarde is excellent. I think rabbit is terribly underrated. It's a lovely lean meat with a slight sweetness to it, which is why it works so well with the piquant mustard sauce packed with tiny pearl onions. There's even skill on display in the vegetables we've chosen. You might think there's not much talent required to get green beans right, but they've been pre-cooked to just the right side of al dente, and when warmed in a pan with the slivers of garlic and splash of oil that they come vacuum-packed with, the result is much more than the sum of its parts, and the gratin des finoises, thinly sliced layered potatoes cooked with garlic, herbs and cream, emerges from its nine or so minutes in the oven burnished gold and alluringly crispy at the edges. Compared to my mousse au chocolat, which needs nothing more than the lid taking off, Dave's creme brulee is positively complicated, requiring a few minutes under a hot grill to caramelise the sugar sprinkled on top. Both desserts are, as the French would say, comme il faut, exactly as they should be. The chocolate mousse is chocolatey, the creme brulee is creamy, and they're both just the right portion size, a strength shared with everything else we've eaten. For quality, ease of preparation, presentation and sheer enjoyment, I genuinely couldn't fault a single thing about this meal. In fact, my only complaint is that the delivery charge, within London, was an eye-watering £20, the highest I've come across for any delivery in the whole of lockdown. But even factoring that in, the total cost for an outstanding, genuinely restaurant-quality meal for two was still only just over £80, which I thought was very reasonable. And it won't put us off from ordering from Maison Patron again. Hell, I'd happily pay £20 delivery just for another helping of that sublime steak tartare. For all information, visit Maison Patron, that's M-A-I-S-O-N-P-A-T-R-O-N dot com. Now it's time for me to tackle a listener's burning culinary question in Ask Hugel. This week's question comes from Will in Wimbledon, who says, Hey Hugel, do you have any tips for avoiding queuing or even jumping the queue at no reservations restaurants? I can't abide standing outside a restaurant waiting for a table, and you strike me as being the kind of chap who might have a few tricks up his sleeve. Before I tackle your question, Will, and don't worry, I have plenty of suggestions for you. Let's just get one thing out of the way. I know there'll be people listening who'll be going red in the face at the very thought of going to a restaurant that doesn't take reservations. Go somewhere that takes bookings, they'll cry. Don't be dictated to by some upstart restaurateur, they'll tut. And I get it. To some people, the very idea of a restaurant not taking reservations is anathema. But to them I say, get with it, grumpy. Not taking reservations isn't new, and nor is it done deliberately to inconvenience you personally. If you don't like the idea of queuing, vote with your feet, but save your breath complaining. You might as well complain about tables or plates. Or like Will, you can take my advice on how to avoid those queues altogether, 
or at least cut down the amount of time you spend in them. Now, it goes without saying that all of this is academic at the moment. At the time of recording, we're six weeks into a lockdown with no idea of when it might come to an end. But when restaurants reopen, and they will, my very first tip for securing a seat at any that you might previously have been put off of because it didn't take reservations is to check whether that's still the case. In between previous lockdowns and under certain tiers, remember those, many restaurants which didn't ordinarily take reservations began to, at least temporarily, to ensure that everyone was seated and that there weren't queues. Some places renowned for their queues like Barrafina, Padella and Bao suddenly had none. There's no guarantee that this will happen again after this lockdown and how long it will last for if it does, but it's certainly worth checking. It's also always worth checking whether a restaurant doesn't take any reservations ever or whether they make an exception at certain times or for certain group sizes. It's not unusual for a restaurant to not take reservations at dinner but to accept them at lunchtime, so think about going then instead. And some take bookings for larger groups, typically six and up, in which case gather together a group of like-minded friends and enjoy swanning past that queue like Mariah Carey arriving at a nightclub. If they don't take bookings at all, check their opening hours and try to go at a quieter time. Midweek lunchtimes are traditionally the quietest time for restaurants, and personally, I love slipping into a hot new unbookable spot for lunch, rather than joining the scrum to get in for dinner. If it has to be dinner, think about going early, what my friend Lynn and I call the granny sitting around six o'clock, or late, perhaps after the cinema or theatre once that's allowed again. More than any other country I can think of, Britain still seems to cling to dinner having to be around 7.30 or 8, which of course is reflected in the queues. Be flexible about the time you go, and you'll be waving to the queue as you leave, not joining the back of it to get in. Lastly, if your reluctance to queue means you've been avoiding no reservations restaurants for a while now, it might have passed you by that many venues now use virtual queuing systems, Like a good old-fashioned waiting list, you put your name down with your mobile phone number, take yourself off somewhere for a drink or a stroll, and a text will let you know when your table is ready. No queuing, at least not physically, and you get to use the waiting time constructively and pleasurably, rather than just standing in a line with your stomach rumbling. Hopefully there's enough info there, Will, for you to experience the types of restaurants you love without the queues that you don't. But just as a parting comment, Let me say that while I do understand that queuing isn't for everyone, just every once in a while, it can be fun, exciting even, to swallow your objections and just get in line. Let both your appetite and the anticipation build while you wait, and you'll find that it goes by in, well, no time. If you'd like me to have a go at answering your food-related question, you can tweet me at hrwrite, or send me an email to hrw at hughrichardwright.com. For my final segment, Treat of the Week, each week I share something food or drink related that's been putting a smile on my face. This week, it's two charming cookbooks for a great cause, volumes one and two of Taste of Freedom, compiled and published by Jenny Sowerby. I was told about and introduced to Jenny by a mutual friend who was so enthusiastic about her two books of Syrian recipes that I had to get my hands on them. Jenny's late mother, Hafer, was Syrian, so Jenny naturally wanted to do something to help the many refugees who fled the country since the start of the devastating civil war in 2011, and the brave doctors selflessly helping people in Syria and other conflict zones around the world. 
For this reason, Jenny's chosen charities are Doctors of the World, which aims to empower excluded people to access healthcare, and Bath Welcomes Refugees, which works to help those in danger in their own country to find sanctuary in Jenny's hometown of Bath and the surrounding areas. The First Taste of Freedom is a wonderfully personal book, bringing together 11 of Hafer's own recipes handed down to Jenny, illustrated with Jenny's own family photos and pictures taken on a visit to Syria in happier and safer times. Hafer's recipes for hummus, baba ganoush and tabouleh, for meaty trebate kibbe, and for stuffed aubergines and courgettes, among others, are vividly brought to life by Jenny's photos of the people and food of her mother's home country. Without getting too sentimental, there is something very intimate about holding in your hands recipes handed from mother to daughter and from the daughter to the world to do good in her mother's name. For sure, it's only a very short book, but it feels somehow more valuable than one much bigger with a famous name on the cover for knowing the significance of the recipes it contains. Taste of Freedom Volume 2, subtitled appropriately More Delicious Recipes from Syria, is a quite magical compilation from some of the Syrian people who have started new lives in Bath through the UN Syrian Vulnerable Persons Resettlement Scheme. As Jenny explains in her introduction to the book, in Syrian households, recipes tend not to be written down or use precise quantities. They're made from memory and the heart. So in order to compile the recipes for this book, Jenny has gone into the family's homes and as she sweetly puts it, I just watch, learn and join in if we can and then we appreciate the results together. Volume 2 has almost double the number of recipes of Volume 1, including some desserts. There's a short bio of all the people who've contributed recipes at the start of the book and where they were comfortable being photographed, a picture too. Because of this, you feel instantly connected to them as you read through their recipes. As with Hafer's recipes in book one, there's something powerful about knowing that these aren't just recipes that a professional cook's been paid to write. These are family heirlooms, personal favourites which are being shared with you to help others. It's a privilege, really. One recipe leapt out at me straight away, so I made it for supper one evening this week. Abdul's Mansaf tomato-y, lemony, very garlicky marinated chicken, first poached, then baked, and served on rice cooked in the stock left over from poaching the chicken. It was really easy and pleasurable to make, a colourful joy to behold, and an absolute delight to eat, and I can see it very quickly becoming a staple dinner in our household. Thanks, Abdul. You might feel that you've already got quite enough cookbooks and don't even use all of the ones you do have, but I'd really encourage you to add one or both editions of Taste of Freedom, either in hard copy or as an ebook, to your collection. Even if you never make any of the recipes, although I think you will, the wonderful stories they tell, and knowing that the money raised is going to such great causes, makes them worth the modest price alone. You can find out more and order the books at Yalla Let's Eat, that's Y A Let's-Eat.co.uk. And you can find Jenny on Instagram at yalla underscore let's underscore eat. Just before I go, I'd like to ask that if you're in a position to, you'll consider supporting one of the many brilliant charities working tirelessly to ensure that children, disadvantaged families and the homeless don't go hungry during the pandemic, such as Magic Breakfast, Fair Share, Street Smart and the Trussell Trust. That's it for this week. 
If you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet me at hrwright or drop me a line at hrw at hughrichardwright.com. And I hope you'll join me next time for more of Hugh's Joy of Food. <laughs>